0: In Christ, God transforms relationships and makes his people a family that lives together with love and grace. This is what we will study in this episode of Through the Word. Hi, I'm Adam Burton. I'm the pastor at Central Baptist Church in Maysville, Kentucky. Every Thursday, I release a new Bible study that comes from The Gospel Project where we go chronologically through the entire Bible to see how all of Scripture points to Jesus. You can watch Through the Word on Facebook, on YouTube, Instagram, and our website at cbcmaysville.com. You can also subscribe to the Through the Word audio podcast in your favorite podcasting app. Would you do me a favor? Would you rate and review our podcast in Apple Podcasts? It helps with the algorithm, and it gets more people to be able to see our podcast. Well, are you ready? Let's study the Bible. In the United States, in the 21st century, most people would associate slavery with the evil racist institution during the era of the Civil War and the two centuries leading up to it. You know, for this reason, as we look at Paul's letter to Philemon, we need to be careful with our understanding of slavery in this book of the Bible. It is important to understand the context of words as well as the context of the culture as much as possible when interpreting Scripture. Slavery in the first century was based primarily on economics, not skin color. When Paul wrote his letter to Philemon, roughly a quarter of the population of the Roman Empire were slaves of one sort or another as the economy of Rome was based on slave labor. People were enslaved for various reasons, being prisoners of war, defaulting on a debt, being born into a slave family, and even voluntarily indenturing themselves to make ends meet. Furthermore, freedom for slaves was possible and common, being granted by masters or purchased through personal savings. Now, while in prison, Paul wrote his letter to Philemon in Colossae to point this believer to the living hope all believers share in Christ Jesus. God, in his grace, transforms lives. Paul encouraged Philemon, a wealthy believer, to receive Onesimus, his runaway slave, as a brother in Christ. A picture of the gospel is displayed in Paul's letter of reconciliation as he encouraged Philemon to recognize the freedom found within the body of Christ. God's liberating grace enables us to see fellow believers as brothers and sisters who are equal in Christ, regardless of socioeconomic background or status. Here's our first point. God's people are compelled by love. Read with me, Philemon 8 through 14. Accordingly, though I am bold enough to in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and... To me, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me, in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For the believer, Love is a driving force. Having been loved first by God through Christ's sacrifice and the Holy Spirit's sanctifying work, we respond with love first for God and then for others. God's love compels us to love. Paul already recognized Philemon's love for the saints and and he was grateful for it because Paul was about to ask him to extend that same love to Onesimus, a new believer. You know, Onesimus was a slave of Philemon, and for unexplained reasons, Onesimus ran away from his master and possibly stole from him on his way out. Now, clearly, the, the Lord loved Onesimus because this runaway slave ran into the apostle Paul while he was imprisoned in Rome. And through this encounter, Onesimus became a believer in Christ. And we don't know the state of Philemon's treatment of Onesimus, but we do know Philemon loved his fellow believers. You see, with his affluence, he was supportive of the congregation in Colossae, providing the place for them to, to gather together. He also refreshed the hearts of the saints he came into contact with. Paul came to love Onesimus as a son in the faith, and he also loved Philemon. He desired to see these two believers, a runaway slave, and his master, now brothers in Christ, reconciled. So Paul sent Onesimus back to Philemon, and he sent his letter to Philemon to encourage him to love Onesimus as he would any other believer. Paul could have commanded Philemon to to receive Onesimus back with grace, but he chose instead to let love do its work. Paul's approach sought to ensure Philemon would read the letter with with sympathy and love rather than with bitterness and anger. Paul did not want to guilt trip Philemon. Instead, he trusted that Philemon, a recipient of God's love through the gospel, would find a way to do what was right. You know What are some ways Christians should be compelled to act because of God's love for us? Well, we should forgive when we have been wronged. We should sacrifice for the benefit of others. We should develop relationships with unbelievers so we can share the gospel with them. We should go willingly and joyfully wherever God sends us to serve in Jesus' name. Paul was eager to emphasize Onesimus' conversion because the gospel changes the dynamic of all our relationships, even as it changes who we are. See, before becoming a Christian, Onesimus did not live up to his name, which meant useful or profitable. However, once he was born again, Onesimus could live up to his name. The love of God changed this sinner, and now he was able to love and to serve others from the heart. 2,000 years ago, an event occurred that permanently changed the world. Jesus died on a cross, and three days later rose from the dead. This is the gospel, As a result of this good news, a runaway slave could become the joy of an aged apostle and a willing servant to his estranged master. Not only had Onesimus become a a dear personal friend and companion of Paul, but he had proven to be useful in ministry. The gospel changed Onesimus' life, and Paul hoped to see the gospel change and restore Onesimus' relationship with Philemon. Now slavery can be an especially evil institution because the, the practice involves sinners of failing or refusing to treat human beings as God's image bears. Now furthermore, slavery is contrary to God's design for humanity. God allowed and regulated the practice of of slavery in both the Old and New Testaments, but he also sowed the seeds of his design that the gospel would set people free. Now, we do not have state-sanctioned slavery in our country today, but there are millions in the world who still live as slaves or who face inhumane conditions on a constant basis through sex trafficking and, or human trafficking or racial discrimination, unfair labor and so forth. See, these victims are, are vulnerable and without a voice. And the church being Christ's representatives on earth and armed with the gospel should stand up for their protection and seek justice against these institutions and their perpetrators. Here's our second point. God's people are related as family. Read with me, Philemon 15 through 17. For this, perhaps, is why he was aparted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bonded servant, but more than a bonded servant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. Paul pondered the reason for Onesimus' temporary separation from Philemon. believing in God's sovereignty and goodness. He concluded that, that God wanted Onesimus to join his family. We don't know all the details of why Onesimus ran away or whether or not he robbed Philemon of property. What we do know is that God's sovereign grace works through human affairs. Rather than dwelling on the past, Paul instead looked at the redemptive aspect of the cross in Onesimus' life. No longer merely a slave, and now he was a brother in Christ among the people of God. Check out this quote. While crossing the Atlantic at, or dear Mr. Spurgeon, while crossing the Atlantic last September and looking out upon its proud dashing of billows and their varied forms and thinking of the diversity in the human family, I remarked that we are many as the waves, but we are one as the sea. This is yet an, another occasion of, of God working all things for good. See, whether or not Philemon had been robbed or or defrauded, he now had the opportunity to receive back something much more than a slave. Onesimus, through faith in Jesus, had become a brother in Christ to his master. In verse 10, Paul used the descriptions of a child and a father in a spiritual sense to to show his deep affection for Onesimus and to categorize their relationship as one of family. Through their encounter during Paul's imprisonment, these two men became especially close. Therefore, Paul wanted Philemon to treat Onesimus accordingly as a fellow family member in Christ. Paul knew from personal experience the transforming power of God to take even enemies and make them family. Paul knew firsthand what what God can do and how his grace triumphs over sin. God took Paul, a persecutor of the church, and made him a son a brother with Christ, a brother in the church, and now a father in the faith to others, including both Philemon and Onesimus. Check out this essential doctrine, people of God. Scripture describes the church as the people of God. a comprise of both Jew and Gentile. The church is created by God through the atoning death of Christ. The term church is used in two senses, of individual local churches, uh, composed of people who have covenanted together under the lordship of Christ and of the universal church, composed of all believers in Christ at in all times. As the people of God, the church seeks to live under God's ruling care while we are protected and cared for by him. Philemon had a choice to follow the gracious, forgiving option Paul presented, or the harsh societal standard for how to deal with a runaway slave. Paul hoped and expected Philemon would choose to see Onesimus as family, even welcoming him as Philemon would have welcomed Paul into his home. You see the gospel, not only redeem's sinners. It transforms societal conventions and makes people one in Christ Jesus. Paul sent Onesimus back to his master. Was Paul in favor of slavery? Well, Not exactly. When considering how the convention of slavery during the first century affected the early church's practice and perspective concerning the issue, several observations need to be made. One, slavery was an embedded part of the social structure, the welfare system, and economic activity of the ancient world. Two, in the absence of a modern democracy, it would have been practically impossible to lodge an effective revolution against slavery. Three, the most effective means of improving the life of a slave was for the master to treat him or her justly and kindly with the prospect of future freedom. Four, in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 21, Paul exhorted slaves to pursue their freedom when it was feasible. Five, in 1 Timothy 1, verses 9 and 10, Paul listed slave traders as an immoral behavior. Six, Paul affirmed the equality that both slave and free shared in Christ. In seven, as we have seen in his letter to Philemon, Paul strongly encouraged Philemon to accept Onesimus in a radically different way than was typical between masters and slaves. A, A mindset that when practiced more widely, would cultivate an ethic and culture that would effectively undermine the practice of slavery. Here's our last point. God's people are gracious with each other. Read with me Philemon 18 through 22. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. In his own pursuit to reconcile Onesimus with Philemon as brothers in Christ, Paul added his willingness to take on any burden that Onesimus had caused Philemon, a fittingly Christ-like gesture. So Paul did not overlook the consequences of Onesimus's decision to run away. Instead, he recognized the potential offense committed against Philemon. And in a picture of gospel grace, Paul was willing to take up Onesimus's offense and lay it on himself to restore their relationship. You know, note how Paul models the transforming love of the gospel as he asks Philemon to, to charge that to my account. Now, since Christ already paid the price for all of them, this gospel paradigm reminds us of the charge to my account that Christ himself has said to us. So likewise, when Paul asked Philemon to receive him as you would receive me, this request that Philemon regard uh, Onesimus as, as he would Paul himself draws our minds to the gospel. For in the gospel, God regards us as he would his own son. God receives us as he would receive Christ. And ever so gently and subtly then, Paul's words undermine the cultural norms that are contrary to the gospel by transforming worldly perspectives with the realities of grace. This grace is so powerful that It makes a slave not only a brother and partner without debt. Now, the slave even becomes one who a master becomes indebted by the relational ties of the gospel. The gospel is the story of Christ dying in our place and being raised for us. And this story is to affect us and to shape the way Christians live. The gospel is the story of the Holy Spirit uses to radically transform not only the way that we think, but also the way we treat others, especially those within the church. Now, how should believers respond to other believers who have have wronged them? Well, they should love those who sin against them, pray for them, and do good to them. They should show grace and forgive they might choose to overlook the offense in love. They may need to confront the offender with love in in hopes of repentance and and reconciliation. Essentially, Paul was asking Philemon to forgive Onesimus. Now, forgiveness often does not come easy because it comes with a cost. It means letting go of the past, letting go of the anger, letting go of the sense of moral superiority. See, forgiveness requires this sacrifice, yet it is a noble act expected of Christians who have received the grace and forgiveness of God themselves. And for this reason, Paul was confident that Philemon would obey his request and welcome Onesimus as a beloved brother in Christ. Because of Christ, forgiveness is possible. In him, we find freedom from our sinful past and transformation from the inside out. And having experienced God's forgiving grace through faith in Jesus, we should extend forgiveness to others. So what happens if we don't extend forgiveness? We become prisoners of our own bitterness, which eventually chokes out our joy and life. When we lose our compassion for others, it's because we have lost sight of God's compassion toward us. Those who have been shown mercy should show mercy to others. As Jesus said, it is the merciful who will be shown mercy. Those who withhold forgiveness prove they do not belong in the kingdom of God. Now, what might explain a professing Christian's choice to withhold forgiveness from another believer? Well, He may not be a Christian in the first place, or she may be living in unrepented sin, or he may not grasp the depth of his own sin and the incredible grace of God to forgive him. Maybe it's a stubborn heart or having forgiven in the past and and, and still continue to be sinned against. The letter to Philemon serves as an exhortation toward Christian character and maturity. The gospel proclaims what Christ has done for sinners by reconciling rebellious creatures with their creator. So the gospel should lead the Christian community to pursue relationships that reflect the gospel, much like the reconciliation Paul sought to achieve between Philemon and Onesimus. All Christians should model this kind of love and grace toward one another, whether it's male or female, Jew or Gentile, master or slave. Our relationships should consist of forgiveness, restoration, and reconciliation. Our choices can drastically transform the trajectory of someone's life and lead people toward Christ. You know, because we have been given limitless grace through Jesus Christ, we live as peacemakers who reflect the heart of our crucified Savior to others. So what's next? You know, The Bible tells us to be doers of the word so how are you going to apply the truth of God's word to your life this week? Here are some questions to get you thinking. What attitudes will you repent of as a result of interacting with the letter to Philemon? What are some ways you need to encourage believers in your church to forgive others? How can cultivating a forgiving spirit in your daily life lead to opportunities to, to share the gospel. Check out this quote. Lofty doctrines such as the love of God, forgiveness in Christ, or the inerrant dignity and, of humanity have real and pertinent impact in everyday life. The book of Philemon illustrates that principles like these can and should profoundly affect the lives of believers. Pray with me. Father, you are the God who hears the cries of slaves. Thank you for freeing us from the spiritual bondage of sin and for transforming broken relationships on the basis of Christ's redemptive work on the cross. Help us to embrace the Spirit's guidance as we seek to renew relationships with others and live as a covenant family of love and grace. Amen. Mm -hmm. Thanks for watching this episode of Through the Word. When Paul appealed to Philemon on behalf of the runaway slave Onesimus, He placed himself in the middle of their broken relationship. To make peace, Paul volunteered to pay Onesimus' debt. And through this action, Paul modeled Jesus Christ, who is the peacemaker between God and sinful humanity. By paying our debt, Jesus reconciled us to God and to each other. can I share with you some good news? It is that Jesus came to live the perfect, sinless life that you could not live. He died the sinner's death you deserve. He defeated both sin and death by rising from the dead. See, you can be saved from your sins by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Are you ready to give your life to Jesus? If so, will you pray this prayer with me? The words will be right on the screen. Dear God, I am a sinner, and I want to be forgiven. I believe Jesus Christ, your Son, died for my sins and is alive right now. I turn away from my sin and now confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and receive Him into my life. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to control my life, and I thank you for giving me eternal life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you reach out to me? Maybe you have some questions about what it means to follow Jesus. Get in touch. Go to our website at cbcmaysville.com forward slash connect. I wanna connect with you. I want to send you some free resources to help you to know what it looks like to follow Jesus. If you enjoyed this episode, would you please share it so that others can experience God's Word? Next week's episode of Through the Word is titled, Obeying from Love, and it comes from the book of 1 John. We will see that Jesus' work in securing our salvation gives His people ample cause to love Him and obey Him. Well, Lord willing, I will see you next Thursday for Through the Word,